Listening to the music today, I figured out what I'm going to do for the first 100,000 years in heaven. I think I'm just going to sit back and listen. Oh, I forgot. I'll be able to sing there. <laughs> it's true, I carry a tune as long as it has a handle. For the last several weeks, we've been uh, looking at the book of John. We've gone through John chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4. In John chapter 4, we concluded last week with a woman at the well, and we talked about spirit and truth, how the Spirit of God needs to move into your heart and convince you of the truth. Otherwise, truth is just truth that isn't compelling until it takes hold of your heart. We're going to move from the book of John. We'll come back to it at some point in the future. But I love this season of year, the time between Thanksgiving and what's the next major holiday? Christmas. And I looked at the calendar and I said, one Thanksgiving just before Thanksgiving doesn't seem to really do that day and this season real merit. So we're going to do a little mini-series here in anticipation of Thanksgiving Day. I've entitled it, Heart Matters. Heart Matters is our message, title of our message today. The subtitle is Gratitude. It's out of the heart that we develop gratitude and thanksgiving. It's from relationships. We are incredible people. We are designed to love and to be loved. Don't you love to be loved? And we find it challenging sometimes to be lovable and likable. One or two of you got that. The others will get it maybe Tuesday of this week. It'll catch up maybe on Thanksgiving Day. But today we'll look at, um, we'll look at our heart and hard issues. I'd like to share with you just a couple of very brief stories as kind of a lead-in to dealing with this thing called Heart Matters. It happened just a couple days after the close of my sophomore year. I was dating my wife. I still date her on a regular basis. You have missed her. Not quite as much as I have. She will be returning on November 12, if everything goes as planned. Um, she left before I did my sophomore year. My roommate said, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, I'm going to go home the day after tomorrow. I had a day's worth of work, and I planned on getting on my motorcycle and heading 440 miles northeast. That's uh, about a seven-hour drive, even if you drive quick, without a windscreen and stuff. Uh, it's a long drive. Somewhere that next day, I thought, uh, just a, a, a crazy thought popped in my mind. Well, why don't you go west, young man, instead of going east? And the more I thought about it, the, the better idea it became. Something not in my mind, but something in my heart said, why don't you go to Yellowstone? And you've never been to Yellowstone. 
to see Old Faithful. Sounded like a good idea because Yellowstone is only about 300 miles north of Denver, which was where Karen was. So on that day, instead of heading east, I headed west and opened up the throttle about 65, 70 miles an hour across the interstate. And pretty soon my hands were vibrating and I was sitting like this until I got to a town called Fort Morgan. And all of a sudden my generator quit working. I pulled off the interstate, parked my bike, proceeded back to the interstate to hitchhike. Fort Morgan plays a significant piece later on in my life, but that will be for another day. I proceeded to hitchhike into Denver. Now, she did not know I was coming. So I thought, well, this will be an interesting proposition. Hitchhike into Denver with uh, all of my uh, sleeping bag and my motorcycle helmet in hand. Got a ride all the way in. Climbed over the fence to the nearest hotel and proceeded to call her. She said, I said, uh, I happen to be driving through. She bought that line. <laughs> it's a good thing. I said, uh, would you like to get together? I, I've had a little problem with uh, my bike, and uh, could we meet tomorrow at about 10.30? You can pick me up on exit uh, 23. I'll be glad to see you then. She said, where are you? I said, I'm at hotel so-and-so, and everything's taken care of. She said, are you sure you're good? We can come and pick you up now. I said, Everything is fine. She, I held my breath momentarily until she hung up. What I didn't tell her was I was on the college student fund, which meant instead of getting a room, sleeping in the parking lot in a sleeping bag. The sun came up that day, and I couldn't wait until she showed up. The, the, the set-aside time was indeed... What did I tell you? 10.30? Thank you. <laughs> Time zone changes and the like. 10.30. So I went over early, lest my watch be a little out of sync with hers, so I wouldn't miss her. So about uh, 20 after 10, I'm there. 25 after 10. We wouldn't want to be early. 10.30 came. Well, now I'm starting to wait. 10.33 came. 10.35 came. 10.38 came. 10.40 came. And then I begin to wonder. How good of idea was this? How good of idea did she think it was? 10.43 came. I quit counting at that time, and I just pondered, do I wait or do I go? Do I wait or do I go? I decided I really had no place to go, so I waited. <laughs> sure enough, the green sedan came around the curve, and I got in. And uh, we had a very enjoyable time over the next uh, few days. We went out and retrieved my motorcycle to which I had attached a clothesline to be pulled the 90 miles. The highway patrol didn't think that was such a good idea. Pulled us over after the first three miles. Volunteered. He was going to cite me for pulling a toy down the highway. I said, officer, this isn't a toy. It's a licensed vehicle. He looked in his uh, law book, and sure enough, there wasn't anything for in regards to pulling. He said, I'll make you a deal if you put it in the trunk you'll be fine. We loaded it in the trunk, and we took off for Denver. Sometimes it's out of the issues of the heart 
that we react and interact with life, isn't it? You see, we can cognitively know what we think we should do, and we can be assured that we've made the right decisions, but sometimes our heart just pulls us in a certain direction. It is true. The Bible is filled with those stories. A 30-second review of one found in Genesis, chapter 29 and chapter 30. It was Jake, it was Jacob who went to feed, not feed, to feed and water his lambs. As he came to the well, he looked out and he saw a beautiful woman named, come on Bible students, named Rachel. And he saw something in Rachel. And he said, now there's a shepherdess that I want to get better acquainted with. Interesting, they had shepherdesses in the Old Testament. Just a footnote. You can ponder that later. But there she was, tending her sheep, the Bible says. And he saw something in her. And he determined, just as men even do today, that's one lady I want to get better acquainted with. And over the course of time, he decided to ask Laban for her hand in marriage. Laban's agreement for the hand of Rachel was how many years of work? Seven years. Seven years, no problem, Laban. This is a good deal. I get her, you get work. It's done. Only to find out Laban had other plans. And you know the Bible story well. As Leah came in to the tent, they spent the night together, and he wakes up rather surprised. Leah, what are you doing here? Things did not go as he had planned. But deep in his heart, he still wanted to marry Rachel. Laban looks upon the the scene and says, You know the customs of the day. Jacob, you know that the older daughter should be married first. Here's the deal, Jacob. You can marry her now for another seven years. I'm thinking, wait a minute. (laughs) Guys today are lucky. If three months, six months, seven months, maybe seven years is a good time to date. I don't know many couples that date for seven years. It would be a time of real testing in the relationship. Fourteen years. And he still realized God was in the picture and gave him the desires of his heart. Out of the heart flows the desires of life. We are created to love. We're designed to love and to be loved. Our hearts, though, uh, we're attracted and we have the reaction. We have the commitment. We have the loving well, we have a life of gratitude, and we have a deep love for one another. Do you have reasons to be thankful in hearts of gratitude today? In your bulletins, you'll find uh, an insert that you'll need to fill out. You can jot notes and texts. You can jot things you're thankful for, reasons you have to be grateful for today. But that should be a work of progress that only you can fill out because we're going to look at reasons for gratitude today. The heart, though, 
the heart itself we're called to guard because out of the wellspring of the heart flows actions. But the heart itself, the Bible says, the troubles of my heart are enlarged, we read in our scripture reading in Psalm 25, verse 17. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Oh, bring me out of my distresses. Shall not God reach, uh, search this out? For he knows the secrets of the heart. They search out the iniquities. They accomplish a diligent search, both the inward thought of every one of them, for the heart is deep. The heart is deep and mysterious at times. But Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And some... My mind's going there. I'll say it and get myself in trouble. Sometimes we apply that spot, we have, we apply that verse only to our spouses. But if we look in the mirror, we take ownership of that, don't we? The heart is deep and complex and at times deceitfully wicked. Sometimes we love those things that God hates, but we find them so tempting and so instantly gratifying. When you're wrong, it's so easy to say, I will get vengeance. But the scripture says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Somebody said something about me, and so I'll say something about them. She doesn't understand what I mean, so I will just not speak to her. Ever try that, guys? I got news for you. They can wait longer than we can. Out of the heart flows all kinds of emotions. But before they're expressed, we have to allow the Spirit of God into our hearts and take the time to pause to see if that expression is a godly expression or an expression of a selfish heart. Am I speaking truth today? As we look towards thanksgiving, as we look towards giving thanks, as we look towards what's in our heart, sometimes we find our hearts are parched, our hearts are empty, and there's just not much to be thankful for. You wake up, you go to bed on the wrong, you go to bed at night on the wrong side of the bed, and you wake up on the wrong side of the bed. You go to bed thinking terrible thoughts and you wake up thinking terrible thoughts. You get in a pattern of self-defeating attitudes and you become what you think. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? Let me tell you, that finger points this way more than it points that way. It's easy to become self-defeating when we think about what Others are doing to us instead of what God has done for us and wants to do through us. I believe that's why Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are all, what? The issues of life. Did you catch that? Out of the heart flows all the issues of life. Want to know what's in somebody's heart? Just listen to them for a while. 
they'll eventually tell you. Want to know what's in your heart? Just listen to yourself for a while. Out of the heart springs forth the issues of life. Perhaps that's why the proverb says, keep thy heart with all diligence. Be careful what goes into it, because only that which goes into it can come out of it. But if you feed it, if you feed it junk, if you feed it things that you don't want to come out, it will come out unless the heart is transformed. The heart of the righteous, Proverbs says, the heart of the righteous studies to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Oh, the heart. The heart is so easy. So easily taken aside. Our feelings are fleeting. But we must realize that our heart must be surrendered to God because out of the same heart can come good and evil. The scripture records that in Matthew chapter 12, verse 35, a good man out of his good treasure of heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth, what do you think? Evil things. Just a couple more. Matthew says, for out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murderers, adulterers, fornicators, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies out of the evil thoughts. Mark says, for within, out of the heart of man, proceeds evil thoughts and the same. But it's as the heart flees those things that a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth that which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth that which is evil. For the abundance of the heart, a person speaks. So, how is it, friends, today? Out of your heart, this Thanksgiving season, do good things flow? Out of your heart, committed to Christ, do you have reasons to be thankful? Reasons to bless the Lord with your words and your actions. To develop an attitude of gratitude as we look towards the Thanksgiving season. If you want to change what's happening in your life, Change the wellsprings of life that pour into your heart. Don't try to modify the fruit of your heart. Change what's filling your heart, and the fruit of your heart will be different. Does that make sense? It's basic Bible 101, isn't it? However, I don't know. Is there any scientific proof to this? We're going to change gears just for a second. I found an interesting article as I was studying this week, and it talks about the gratitude and what it will do in us and through us. It says that gratitude is thankfulness, counting your blessings, noticing simple pleasures, and acknowledging everything that you receive. It means learning to live your life as if everything were a miracle and being aware of it on a continual basis, how much you're given. Gratitude shifts the focus from your life, what your life lacks to the abundance that you already possess. In addition, behavioral and psych- psychological research has shown the surprising life improvements that can stem from the practice of gratitude. 
Giving makes people happier, more resilient. It strengthens relationship. It improves health and it reduces stress. I read that and I said, I'll take two of those prescriptions, please. I'd like to be happier. I'd like to be rest, less stressful. I'd like to enjoy life more. Sign me up. In fact, can I get a refill on that for the next six months? So, how does it work? The two psychologists, Michael uh, McClue from Southern Un- uh, Methodist University of Dallas and Robert Emmons, took three different groups, and they divided the three different groups uh, into approximately one-third. And each group was told they were given a journal, something like the piece of paper you have where in your bulletin today. I wonder why it's there. They told them to journal. The first third of the people were told to journal. Journal whatever you like, but we want you to journal the good and bad. You choose. The second group was told to journal. Journal the bad things that happened to you. The third group was told to journal the good things that happened to you. Now, from a scientific standpoint, do you think there would be any difference? Interestingly enough, the Scripture is right. That which is in your heart and which you think about day in and day out results in positive um, positive consequences and positive results. The results of the study indicated that daily gratitude exercises resulted in higher developments of alertness enthusiasm, determination, optimism, and energy. I'll take all of that. In addition, those in that gratitude group experienced less depression, less stress, were more likely to help others, exercised more regularity, and made greater progress toward achieving their personal goals. I don't know how it is in your life, friends, but I'll take that group rather than the other two. The other two um, were studied, uh, suffered from depression, a lack of um, a lack of ambition, negative thoughts, and Dr. Emmons concluded. Here was his summary findings. He said those that concentrated on the attitude of blessings gained a benchmark of twenty-five percent in their happiness factor. Now, the happy, a happy, the words happiness factor don't sound real scientific and not very well defined when I say them. What the study showed was everybody has a happiness factor, kind of like you have a benchmark weight. Your body gravitates towards that naturally. Whatever that is, might be under, might be over, doesn't matter. You have kind of a baseline weight that you just find. So the study revealed as people, as people concentrated on their blessings and developed gratitude in their life, their benchmark happiness that they reported, their benchmark line was here, but as they intentionally developed the attitude of gratitude, their benchmark went up 
I like that, don't you? So, I have to say, and I have to reflect, that even beyond that, they found that creativity uh, was enhanced, they had stronger immune systems, stronger social relationships than those who did not practice gratitude. It's a time of thanksgiving. It's a time of gratitude. It's a time to reflect on what has got, what God has done in and through you, how He's blessed you, and the gratitude pours out, not from what you don't have, but from what you have received. The Scripture says, guard well your hearts. That's right. So we see we need to guard well our hearts. We're going to touch on Psalm 100 just for a moment. Because as much as I try to guard well my hearts, there's a practical application from 100. It'll take less than a minute and a half in slightly prophetic time to look at. So look at Psalm 100 with me. There are seven, seven sentinels. They are the seven verbs found in Psalm 100. And I'm just going to touch on the verbiage here because I believe if we would implement these actions in our lives, our hearts would naturally change. Psalm 100, it says, shout in many of the, uh, many of the versions of the Bible, shout, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you lands. Isn't that what you want to do when something good happens to you? You just want to proclaim it. Man, I'll shout it from the rooftops, the songist has written. If I don't shout it, I'll at least phone a friend. I'll text a friend. I'll tell somebody. It's hard to go the other way if you shout. Number two, serve. Serve the Lord with what? Gladness. A sentinel of the heart is to shout and to serve. The third one is come before his presence with what? Singing. So come into the house of the Lord. Come into his presence with singing. You're on the job, sing a song. You're on the subway, sing a song. People will wonder what you're up to. Come before his presence with singing. The third is know that he is the Lord and he is God. It is he that hath made us, not we ourselves. We are the sheep, uh, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Know exactly who you are in your relationship with God and that gratitude will fill your life. Know that there is nothing that can prevail upon you as long as you are in the shepherd's care. Serve, come, know. The fourth is um, enter into his courts with thanksgiving. Enter and give thanks. Those two with praise, be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures unto all generations. As we enter into this Thanksgiving season, I would invite you to take the bulletin insert and over the next two or three weeks, fill out that insert, gratitude. What in my life do I have to be thankful for? Who in my life am I thankful for? What has the Lord done for me? Think of the things that if you did not have them, that you do have, that you're thankful for. God has blessed us in so many ways, but we must guard 
our hearts so ever carefully that into our hearts flows His Spirit and out of our hearts flow His Spirit. That during this Thanksgiving season, we will bless Him with our gratitude and out of our lives will flow His love for others. May the Lord bless us as we enter into this Thanksgiving season.